0: This episode of Cheat contains some descriptions of sexual misconduct that some listeners may find triggering. So just a heads up, you guys might want to choose where and how you listen to today's episode. Imagine, you're a young kid from an Orthodox Jewish background your understanding of the world around you is viewed through the prism of an ultra strict understanding of the torah the jewish holy book that's thousands of years old you're not even supposed to watch tv you don't know anyone outside your tiny community you grow up in crown heights new york sure but you're totally cut off from the culture of the city sex is never ever discussed but you know that you're sexually different to all your brothers and sisters
1: I would definitely say that during my teenage years, especially around like the ages
0: of 12 to 13, it became very, very clear um, that I was gay. That's Haim Levin. And at the same time 13-year-old Haim started to realize he's gay, he was also preparing for his bar mitzvah, the Jewish rite of passage which marks a child's transition into adulthood.
1: One of the customs is to read from the Torah, which is the Old Testament.
0: It's an incredibly important ceremony the whole community comes together. And on the day, center stage in the synagogue, was teenage Haim. All eyes were on him.
1: The Torah portion that was assigned to me was the Torah portion that condemned homosexual behavior. And so at the age of 13, on my bar mitzvah, on the day that, you know, I'm supposedly becoming a man, I was reading in the synagogue this Torah portion about the prohibition against homosexuality.
0: So just picture how I'm standing there. A 13-year-old kid, nervous as hell, knowing that he's gay, he cleared his throat to begin reading the following words.
1: A man shall not lie with another man as one lies with a woman. It is an abomination.
0: There it is. Right there in his face, in black and white. He was pretty much forced to proclaim that his sexuality, according to the book he's lived his life by since the day he was born, is wrong, an abomination. I knew that
1: this was applying to me. I just felt major panic, major anxiety,
0: and fear. My fear was, how am I going to stay in this community? The only possible way Haim and his loving parents could see that he'd be able to stay in his devoutly religious homophobic community was not to be gay. And so began for Haim a journey into a world where multiple counselors and therapists sell the impossible, that they can somehow convert him and people like him from a young gay person into a straight one. I'm Alzo Slade, and from something else, this is Cheat. This week, conversion therapy, a fraudulent practice that preys on the vulnerable by promising something it could never deliver gaining money and power while causing a whole lot of damage in its wake. I'm from the South. I grew up in the church, and I remember we never talked about it at home, but the culture around homosexuality when it was discussed in the church, it was an abomination, a sin. And I remember they try to use these analogies, like if you try to plug an iron into another iron, is it gonna work? No, you need a socket for it. You know, all of these silly examples to try to show up their argument. This kind of religious and cultural conservatism has resulted in a practice called conversion therapy, where therapists, counselors, and even ministers attempt to convert lesbian, gay, and bisexual people into straight people. You might not know anyone who's ever experienced gay conversion therapy. You might even think it's a thing of the past. But for many communities across the U.S., it's still prevalent.
2: The proportion of people who reported using conversion therapy was estimated about 700,000 adults in the United States.
0: That's Dr. Elon Meyer. He's a distinguished senior scholar in the Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law. He studied the impact of conversion therapy on LGBT populations.
2: What we found there was that people who are younger, or who are young today, experience the same level of exposure to conversion therapy as did the older people.
0: So, in other words, there's not been a decline over the years in the numbers of people having conversion therapy. While one half of society has become ultra-liberal, there's still a whole lot of communities in the U.S. which are culturally conservative. So what about the actual therapy? I mean, does it work? Has it ever even proved to be possible?
2: I think the answer to that is definitely clear. There's been all kinds of attempted research. There has not been any study that showed success. At best, what they can attempt to arrive at is some sort of celibacy.
0: And that's how some gay conversion therapists start out, by selling celibacy. They sell the idea that they can keep you from acting on your desires. Some of them say they can keep you from desiring same-sex touch at all. And as Dr. Meyer just said, one of the most popular methods is just to keep gay people celibate.
2: That's not a true conversion, even if it was successful. Many people have come forward to attest that they succeeded in their conversion therapy effort. Men and women who got married and raised families as a heterosexual couple.
0: So you mean to tell me they're going to starve me of intimacy and then force me to get married and have kids? Hell no.
2: Many of them have come forward to say, no, this was a sham.
0: One of those who have come forward to say it's a sham is McCray game? I'm known as a
3: former conversion therapist who renounced my work and came
0: out of the closet
3: and now live as a gay man.
0: I sat down with him virtually to talk about some of his experiences. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to, 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 to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. McRae is now fifty three. He came out at age 19 when he first became sexually active. I don't know that I came out as much as I was caught. My
3: mom walked in on me making out with a boyfriend. She freaked
0: out and started screaming and yelling. After experiencing painful feelings of shame and expulsion from his family, McCray decided to renounce his sexuality. She did not give me any peace during that time.
3: And uh, at 22, I got, quote unquote, saved.
0: You decided to do something, I guess, to stop being gay. Can you tell us what that was and how that worked? I um, went to my first Amway conference
3: and found a conversion therapist and started seeing him once a week. And that was the start of the next 28 years.
0: McRae was quote unquote saved by Amway, mostly known as a multi-level marketing company. is actually a highly conservative Christian organization. For most people, Amway is a thing that sells them pots and pans or toothpaste, not a force for gay conversion. He becomes involved in what's known as ex-gay ministry. Like I said, there's a few types of programs being hawked out there and ex-gay programs are based on the idea that you probably won't stop wanting same-sex relations, but you can become celibate. You know, not change, just become celibate. As McRae says, it's a lot more palatable than outright conversion therapy, but it takes its toll. I couldn't stand being alone,
3: so the idea of me being single and celibate was something I couldn't fathom. So my only option was to start dating women. Well, the only way I was going to figure out how to do that was to have help. Part of the conversion therapy counseling is trying to help you fathom
0: dating someone you're not attracted to. McCray was a client for eight years. And, you know, it all looked like it worked out. He got married at 28. He had two beautiful kids. According to him, his sex life with his wife, at least at first, was good. Eventually, he becomes ordained as an ex-gay minister. He sets up his own program, Hope for Wholeness, based in South Carolina. Originally part of Exodus International, which for decades was the center of the ex-gay movement in North America, Hope for Wholeness eventually grows to have members and affiliates in at least 15 states across the US. It's huge. McCrae works with thousands of gay men who want to become straight.
3: Frankly, we didn't use the word repress, but we were basically helping them to repress their
0: sexuality. Unlike full conversion therapy, which claims it can turn gay people straight, McCrae says ex-gay ministry uses religious faith to help people remain abstinent from same-sex relationships. They also take voluntary donations for counseling and group sessions. It has support groups, it has conferences, it has praise and
3: worship, where conversion therapist is almost very secular. Conversion therapy is much more one-on-one therapy focused where ex-gay ministry is more of a collective community of people.
0: So for 28 years, what you were telling folks is like, hey, look, you're attracted to your same sex. That's not going to change. But if you get a wife, if you're a man, or you get a husband, if you're a woman, you can live with it
3: for the community that we created. They knew they weren't straight. None of us called ourselves straight, but we weren't gay. We, we had gay attractions. We didn't call them gay attractions, but ex-gays are not comfortable around gay people because gay people are comfortable with themselves. The ex-gay community is allowing them to have like-minded people in their life.
0: But as time goes by, he starts to struggle with maintaining the facade. I can't imagine what it must be like to have the pressures of being, you know, homosexual in this society in general, but let alone in a religious community.
3: You know, they don't tell you, actually, what we're teaching you is not real, it's not true. And I fell prey to that belief system That if you practice, live as, call yourself a homosexual, you're going to go to hell.
0: Okay, so the anecdotes and the science, and for a lot of us, common sense, suggest that this therapy just doesn't work. It's not just religion that's pushing conversion therapy, Heim's Orthodox Judaism or McCray's evangelism. It's also the fault of psychologists. supposed men of science. More on that after the break. Welcome to True Spies. gay conversion therapy. It's a bit short on what you might call evidence, but let's not put all the blame for that on religious groups. Conversion therapy is pretty much based on the ideas of one dude, the so-called father of the movement, Joseph Nicolosi. Nicolosi was an American clinical psychologist who advocated and practiced reparative therapy, a form of therapy that he claimed could help people overcome their homosexual desires and replace them with heterosexual ones. Basically, he thought being gay was some form of psychological disorder caused by childhood trauma. According to Nicolosi, people aren't born gay. So if a person isn't born gay, well, their sexuality can be reset or repaired. And by fixing the problems caused by childhood trauma, you can change their sexuality. As a minister, McCrae Game adapts some of Nicolosi's methods and uses them in his own curriculum. So you're trying
3: to understand the relationship of the mother, father, child. It's that kind of stereotyping. Most gay men do not have a relationship with their fathers. Most gay men have a strong relationship with their mothers stronger than the average male and so people are trying to figure out why
0: people are gay this model pushes the idea that you can alter your sexuality by understanding its causes that
3: is a deceptive part of conversion therapy that i never practiced in because i was a victim of that type of language
0: These methods aren't just limited to Christian groups. Someone who was about to discover much more about them was Haim Levin, an Orthodox Jewish teenager. He's almost 18. Having had his first gay sexual experience, he's sent by his family to a religious counselor.
1: It was just pure panic. She essentially told me that I needed more help than she can offer. So this led me to asking a rabbi who I trusted. I was just looking for answers. And this rabbi had his daughter do some research, and she found uh, this organization called Jonah.
0: Jonah, or Jews Offering New Alternatives for Healing, was an organization created by two secular, non-Orthodox Jews. Both founders have gay sons. They appear to have great experience understanding and connecting with young Jewish gay men. Haim is under extreme pressure to conform to his religious community's ideals and get married to a woman, something he knows he cannot do. Jonah seemed to offer an alternative. He's not sure what, but they seem like the answer to his prayers.
1: This was like a breath of fresh air. And once this was suggested to me, I contacted them right away.
0: Haim is encouraged by Jonah to go on a retreat called Journey Into Manhood, facilitated by an organization called People Can Change. Just two weeks after he turns 18, he travels to Pennsylvania. His family pay for him to go. It's the first time he's ever been away from them on the Sabbath. And it's the first time he's ever interacted with people outside his close-knit Orthodox Jewish community.
1: I was so desperate that I said, okay, I'm gonna do this. I signed away every waiver.
0: The retreat consists of various components. The first is what the retreat organizers call guts work. Participants, including Haim, are encouraged to recreate traumatic childhood experiences and perform them in front of others. It's all connected to Nicolosi's therapeutic idea that being gay is somehow a product of a traumatic childhood, and that by facing up to and expressing these experiences, you can somehow cure your homosexuality.
1: That was almost a full day and very, very shocking, just a shocking, shocking uh, experience to be part of and to also watch others go through.
0: But the next part of the retreat is even more shocking.
1: The other thing that they called was healthy touch, where they claimed that men holding each other in a non-sexual way as a way of getting your needs met What I learned later on, and what my belief is now, is that you often had older men cuddling with younger men at these programs, and it was essentially called therapy. These were older men who, for whatever reason, could not or would not come out, and took advantage of young men who were desperate to change, and said, these are the things you need to do to change.
0: Some therapists have admitted that clients in conversion therapy have been known to sleep with each other. In a way, it's really not surprising. What retreats like this claim to do is create a safe space for lonely, ashamed people who, for whatever reason, are desperate not to be gay, but who are equally desperate to meet other people going through what they're going through. Like a cult, conversion therapy creates followers.
1: When I left, all I wanted was to go back to that special space. It was, at the time felt very special and very unique. Something that only if you were there you were able to understand it.
0: The idea that these adults are taking advantage of young people who are ashamed, who feel ignored, who want a sense of belonging because they're disconnected from their family You recognize that in cults, you recognize that in extremist organizations like the, you know, neo-Nazis or the Ku Klux Klan or gangs. But this seems to be even more destructive because you have the added layer of abuse. And the psychological abuse is dangerous because it keeps these young people in a place where they're trapped and they feel like this is the only space they can go to, but it's still destructive. Chaim is now one of these young people. He's becoming trapped, and so he goes back for more. He starts attending group sessions at Jonah's offices in New Jersey, sometimes twice a week. Meanwhile, his relationship with his family has almost entirely broken down.
1: I was totally losing it, lashing out at my family. The retreat kind of just opened these doors, and I I started blaming my parents for being gay. I was a total mess.
0: It's while having a one-on-one session with one of Jonah's life coaches that Haim starts to realize this isn't working. Not only that, but a lot of this stuff is just fucked up.
2: He
1: had me take my clothes off as a form of therapy. It wasn't like, take your clothes off. It was, let's let's uh, shed negative layers of yourself. You know, so, so create a negative message that you think is true about yourself. And then as you repeat that message, like remove an item of clothing.
0: Wait, remove clothing as negative layers of yourself? See, that's some slick, sinister shit right there. Haim, to his credit, is resistant. But someone that Jonah tells him that this is the work he needs to do in order to change. If he doesn't, it shows that he's not serious about converting, about not being gay. So he does what he's told.
1: And so I did it one layer at a time until I had no clothes on. And then he had me essentially touch myself. One of the big cornerstones of these this therapy is masculinity. They're very into talking about masculinity and he wanted me to like hold my masculinity in my hand as like a, a way of being proud of my,
2: my manhood.
0: Haim knows and feels that this is wrong. But like everything he's been through so far, he's encouraged to bury his feelings and believe he is the one who's wrong. Not the fake therapy, Not the flawed and overly sexualized attempts at conversion. Not the slick shit off the therapist, but him.
1: The last five minutes was like putting the clothes back on with positive messages of myself. I walked out of that room and I said to myself, you're never going to think about it. You're going to bury it. And I did. I completely
0: buried it. Some of these conversion therapists use stigma and prejudice against their clients to motivate them into wanting to change themselves. But according to Dr. Elon Meyer, all that does is further alienate the client from ever making peace with who they really are.
2: It is both the self-rejection and the frustration of the goal that makes this kind of intervention really damaging.
0: So damaging, in fact, that Dr. Meyer and his team have discovered that lesbian, gay, and bisexual people who have experienced some form of conversion therapy are twice as likely to attempt suicide. McCrae can understand why people who have been through conversion therapy are more likely to take their own lives than people who haven't. I went
3: through four mental breakdowns myself. I had one young man in 2016 kill himself. My first assistant attempted suicide. He is now
0: married to a man. This, just to remind you, was his supposedly converted gay assistant in McCray's Christian organization. My later assistant, I, this was after
3: I had come out as gay, he killed himself. He was trying to live as a straight man in a straight marriage. There is psychological damage, period. I believe ex-gay ministering conversion therapy causes emotional trauma.
0: Haim, soon after his traumatic experience with the life coach and the naked therapy, begins to realize that Jonah's not for him. And despite all the odds, he begins to take control of his life. He attends Jonah for one more group session and never returns. He starts searching online, trying to find a community that can offer him the support he so desperately craves. He finds an organization called Jewish Queer Youth, and he's invited to a party. He's terrified of social contact and struggling deeply with anxiety following his experiences. But something tells him to go.
1: The minute I walked in the room, literally the minute, it all changed. And suddenly... I was surrounded by people who were just like me. They were nice to me. And they weren't taking money from me for therapy. They weren't manipulating me into taking my clothes off with them. There was no shame.
0: Heim credits Jewish queer youth with saving his life. He no longer has suicidal thoughts. He's no longer in danger of becoming one of Dr. Meyer's statistics. And he's now walking firmly down a path of recovery and acceptance.
1: I was definitely lied to. I was led to believe that I couldn't be happy as a gay person, that I would be miserable and lonely. When I look back at that, the time that I was miserable and lonely was when I was fighting that part of myself.
0: Haim decides to speak out against the two beliefs that sit at the heart of conversion therapy, that being gay is wrong and that you can change your sexuality. He starts to give talks and interviews about his experiences at the hands of Jonah and meets other people of other faiths who have been through the same. And together, they decide to tell the world the truth about conversion therapy. More after the break. It's 2011. Haim is now 22. His experiences at the hands of conversion therapy have left him with PTSD. But with the help of the gay community, he's fighting back. He starts blogging and giving presentations about his time with Jonah.
1: There I was, this 22-year-old person with very limited education, barely the ability to communicate effectively in English. Eventually, Jonah started responding. I felt very like, okay, I'm clearly
0: achieving something. He's contacted by the Southern Poverty Law Center, a civil rights organization in Alabama.
1: They decided they wanted to start a campaign targeting conversion therapy. So they asked me if I wanted to be the face of their campaign, and I didn't even hesitate. Of course, I said yes.
0: One of their attorneys wants to take legal action against the gay conversion organization, something that has never been successfully achieved.
1: They asked if I wanted to participate. I was waiting for the chance, because everyone said the only way you're really going to get justice is to sue. But the issue was, what grounds
0: do you sue under? Haim's legal team get their heads together and come up with a plan. Turns out, New Jersey has particularly strong consumer protection laws that provide ample grounds to sue Jonah.
1: They also asked if my mother would participate because my parents had paid for uh, most of Jonah. I had also paid some money, like $170. They tried to get me excused from the lawsuit because they claimed that I didn't pay, but I did. And I happened to have remembered the person who lent me the money, who was also a Jonah member.
0: Whoa. So Haim was so into Jonah, so dedicated to the classes, that he actually borrowed money off another member to pay for the sessions. And this $170 is what eventually enables him to testify. He was then able to sue based on the grounds that he, as a paying customer, had been lied to that Jonah made claims to provide a product that does not, and cannot, ever work. Haim and his legal team pull in two other plaintiffs who were also Jonah members. Haim's mother agrees to testify, as well as another parent. But in many ways, whatever the result, it already feels like a victory.
1: A few months before the actual court case, the judge barred almost all of their experts because we said that... All of their experts rendered their reports based on their belief that homosexuality was a mental illness. And the judge, in his ruling, he said that believing that homosexuality is a mental illness is the equivalent of believing that the earth is flat and has no place in a courtroom.
0: Even the big dog, the father of conversion therapy, Joseph Nicolosi himself, is barred from the courtroom. The man responsible for all the quasi-therapy and pseudoscience that causes misery for hundreds of thousands has been told he's a quack, and his views have no place in a modern society. It's a powerful moment.
1: It was very clear that we have, like, common sense on our sides, but there's also a judge who seems to see right through the garbage that we've been
0: climbing through. On November twelfth, two 2012, the lawsuit gets filed. Every news outlet out there was writing about it. And they weren't just writing that a
1: lawsuit had been filed. They were writing about these accusations that we were leveling, the nudity, the cuddling, the reenactment of trauma. These were all front and center, which was all really what I wanted to accomplish. They felt finally like, oh, we're getting the word out.
0: For Haim, it's the beginning of years of litigation. Meanwhile, back in South Carolina, McCray Game is starting to realize that he can't continue perpetuating his own brand of mistruth.
3: I was under a constant state of anxiety for 28 years of repressing my sexuality. And sadly, I created an organization to
0: do the same things to other people that was done to me. In 2011, he writes a book alluding to his own experiences. His bosses at Hope for Wholeness aren't too pleased. In 2017, he's sacked from his position as an ex-gay minister. McRae's life starts to unravel, and it becomes obvious that he can no longer sustain the lies about his own sexuality. In 2019, he publicly comes out as a gay man. Since then, McCray has always maintained that his teachings were different from conversion therapy, and that his aim was to help people part of what
3: we did was conversion therapy. We just never told people that they could change their orientation
0: where conversion therapists would tell them that. So even though McCray admits that there was a dab of conversion therapy in what they did, he believes that he and Jonah, in his own words, are as different as apples and oranges. I do...
3: Understand and know the Jonah organization, and they should have been sued. They were doing classic conversion therapy and they were being fraudulent in their promises to their clients.
0: The language that you use around ex gay ministry conversion therapy, and what you were not doing for those 28 years. In, in some ways, it looking backwards, it feels like maybe I'm trying to get out of some of this accountability for what I did. No? I got sucked in.
3: I wish I had never been a part of it. I became a leader. And I believed all that I was doing, but I deeply regret all that I did.
0: Himes' case took nearly three years to get through the courts. On June 25th, 2015, in a landmark victory, a state jury finds that Jonah's claims about conversion therapy are fraudulent and unconscionable. The jury orders Jonah to pay $72,400 to compensate Haim, his friends, and their family members, and pay for mental health counseling. So
1: after the verdict, we uh, negotiated with them so that uh, we can resolve it for good. So the negotiations essentially led to an agreement that they would agree to shut down. They would no longer refer anyone to conversion therapists ever again in New Jersey.
0: Following the court case, Jonah changed their name but still offered the same service Haim and his legal team again took them to court and a rebranded Jonah was again shut down and what about McCrae Gane how does he feel about all those thousands of people like Haim who he lied to as people have contacted me, part of that conversation is asking for their
3: forgiveness and apologizing and saying, I don't expect you to forgive me, but I need to ask for your forgiveness. Just so you know that I realized what I did was wrong,
0: even though at the time I didn't realize what I was doing was wrong. Some of you all listening may be thinking, hmm, that's a little hogwash. But. Whether you believe McCray knew what he was doing or not, that's another matter. But one thing he doesn't deny is that he knew he was gay all along. He knew he was gay when he married his wife. He knew he was gay when he set up Hope for Wholeness. But that double life has had huge consequences for McCrae. He may be out, but acceptance from his family is a long way off. My daughter hasn't spoken to me in over a year which
3: is is hard. Both my kids were raised in Christian education. So I'm going in the complete opposite direction as her father
0: taught and as her church taught. And when it comes to Haim, well, he's working to rebuild with his family. He sees them about once a month. He's now 32 and lives happily with his boyfriend in Philadelphia. His partner was invited to and attended his younger sister's wedding. He's just finished his bachelor's degree in radio and TV, and is figuring out his next move. That court case, of course, took up a lot of his life, but the one thing that's kept him going in his teenage years and throughout his struggles was his love of strong female singers like Celine Dion and Adele.
1: Music just completely energizes me. It makes me feel, like, happy and You know, during that time, especially that time where I was so alone and it just gave me comfort. And until this day, I cannot live without music.
0: And he's finally been able to share that passion with his religiously conservative mom.
1: The week before the shutdowns happened, Celine Dion was performing in Brooklyn and right when the tickets went on sale, I bought two front row tickets. And my mother really wanted to go, so we went together, and it was
3: very special.
0: Unfortunately, there are many stories like McCray and Himes. Recovery from trauma is complicated, especially a trauma that forces you to despise those things about yourself that you cannot and should not ever be asked to change. Conversion therapy has hijacked the principle of therapy, combined it with a load of other pseudoscientific ideas and religious dogma to try and calm people into believing that their sexuality can be changed, when it simply can't. But what's perhaps more damaging about it than anything else is that it forces people to live the lie that they're telling themselves. And perhaps the way to outlaw conversion therapy is not only through legislation, but by all of us taking some responsibility for questioning the conditions that allow it to still exist. Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show and of course we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month or if you're in the UK, 2 pounds 49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next week on Cheat, a mole goes undercover inside the famous cult that attracted celebrities like Madonna and Ashton Kutcher.
2: My role was quite simple. I had to walk into their their building in London, persuade them that... uh, I was a multimillionaire and that I was dying of cancer and that I needed their help.
0: Cheat is written and presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Helen Clifton. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Tom Fuller. The original idea for this show was developed by Tom Fuller. Engineering, sound design, and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Our design and visual team is Emma Lansdowne and Sarah De La Rue. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola.